I'm even thinking I'm going to give up. I'm even thinking I'm going to, you know, try my hand at something else, you know, because like, I can't keep going around in circles like this. So you, you actually considered giving up being a yeah, chef? I did. Wow. I did. And, uh, you know, my family dragged me back down to earth and, you know, and so did my wife. And, and I, I had the realisation as well. I was like, mate, I didn't spend all my Saturday nights, all my Sundays, all my public holidays working for the last 20 years to, to not get something out of this industry. Welcome to A Table for Two, inspiring and educational interviews and stories with the best operators, owners, and entrepreneurs in business and the hospitality industry. My name is Phil Halani, and on today's episode, we chat to Tim Bryan, head chef and owner of High Street Depot. Tim has worked in some of the best kitchens in Australia and the UK. He completed his apprenticeship at Opera Bar, was senior sous chef of Aria, and also opened Chiswick as head chef, which is owned by Australia's top restaurateur, Matt Moran. In today's episode, we chat about the pressures of working in some of Australia's busiest restaurants, the crazy hours Tim was required to work starting out, the difference between being head chef to opening your own venue, the positive impact his wife Noreen had on him and his career, nearly giving it all up and how he learned from his failures to open one of the best cafes in Sydney. You can hear the passion and emotion in Tim's story as he talks about his journey. A quick shout out to our good friends at Procal Dairies and Sonoma Bread who are passionate about supporting small businesses, the hospitality industry, and also this podcast. I started the interview by asking Tim how he got his start in hospitality. So, well, in the beginning, you know, I was trying to leave school. I was in year 10. I knew I wasn't going to take, you know, year 12 seriously. So I thought, I thought to myself, you know, I've got to do something, you know, and my old man wouldn't let me leave without having a, a, you know, a career path. So, um, you know, he sort of said, well, you've been working in, in the local butcher during, you know, during high school, why don't you, you know, do something in food and, and that sort of thing. So that sort of, um, my ears sort of pricked up and, you know, maybe that could be something I could do. So, but I just knew I needed to get out of school. So I, um, you know, started looking in local papers and, I was going to go down the route of, you know, tradie and, and, and do all that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I went, I went to one job interview with a, with a local carpenter and he goes, you're too skinny and you know, I don't think you'd be able to lift that. And so that was, that was, you know, cast aside. And, and then um, I sort of uh, just I found um, Wentworth Falls TAFE. They had a, uh, the, the TAFE program. So I went and did that for one year, one year full time. And that TAFE program, was that, um, was that food-related, like chef-related? Yeah, so that was the commercial cookery level three, Cool. what all apprentices do, but it was in one year flat. And so does that mean as soon as you finished that, you were a qualified chef? Uh, I still had to do hours in the, in the industry. But cool. um, it sort of fast-tracked me ahead of a lot of other apprentices looking back, because like, I, I was able to get that block out in one go. And... Um, and I think that made me more employable as well because I didn't have to, okay, one day a week I've got to go back to TAFE while I'm in the field, so yeah. to speak. So that sort of gave me a springboard into, um, you know, being employable and, okay, this guy's gone, gone and done that. It's out of his life and now he can focus on being in chef land, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's awesome. And, and so obviously school wasn't for you. You wanted to get out? I love lunchtime, <laughs> you know. That's probably my favourite bit, throwing yeah. a footy around and playing bull rush. And, you 100%. Know, but you knew it wasn't stuff. for you. But I just knew I wasn't academic and I didn't, I didn't want to sit there and study and, you know, I didn't have the confidence to, to really put myself in the books, do you know what I mean, like, mm. you know, and get somewhere that way. So I knew... I knew I had a good work ethic, you know, like I said, I touched on earlier, like I'd, uh, I'd worked in a butcher shop on weekends and, you know, I, you know, I had a paper delivery, you know, I had a, the milk crate on the front of my bike and, you know, I was one of them kids. So, so you I always, always responsible and, you know, I had to get that job done. Yeah. So I always, um, I, you know, I've never been afraid to work, you know, a bit of hard work and get into it, which sort of suits the hospitality mindset. Oh, 100%. Hard work is, is and work ethic is the first thing yeah. we look for when we're looking for staff, right? Yeah. Um, so what was your so you, you did your one year at TAFE what was your first job in, in hospitality other than the butcher shop so it was actually down here in Penrith um, I was a kitchen hand at Sicilian restaurant which is where Rache's is now oh yeah on my guy right there so I did that while I was at TAFE so 
I actually had three jobs when I was t at TAFE, doing the full-time TAFE. So I had the kitchen hand, I was still at the butcher shop, and then I got a job in a cafe up in, up in the mountains as well. So I had three jobs plus full-time TAFE. You love um, your hard work. <laughs> so yeah, I was, just, I was just getting stuck in, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and did you love it instantly? I love, so at Sicilian, as a kitchen hand, um, that was the first time I saw camaraderie in a kitchen. You know, and, and they were a family, like those chefs in there. They, they really, you know, had the banter going and looking after one another. But, you know, they weren't the best examples of, of chefs. You know, there was a bit of dodgy behaviour going on out the back after service and whatnot, you know. But um, I suppose that's where I... I gained a respect for kitchen hands as well from that point, you know, because, you know, they'd go out and have beers and smoke and I'd clean the whole kitchen pretty much, you know what I mean? So I'd, I'd, I've always had that soft spot for kitchen hands. Of course. Even now, like, at, at the depot, like, the kitchen hand doesn't pay for anything. You know, he gets a proper restaurant, uh, you know, cafe meal as a staff meal, yeah. whatever he wants. And, yeah, whereas everyone else sort of chips in and... I find that, you know what's crazy is we, and on, with Jeremy on the last couple of episodes ago, he talks about how important the dish pit is. It's just as important as a head chef role. Yeah. Like, because you don't have clean plates, you can't get, you yeah, put your food right. on. And, and it's amazing that you have that appreciation. And you see that when you're at your cafe as well. So, yeah. um, now, obviously, you, you, you own a high street depot, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, but you're most probably well known for your role as sous chef, uh, working under one of the best chefs in Australia, if not the world, Matt Moran. Ma Matt Moran. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about your journey from being a chef? So obviously from Sicilian days, um, from The Apprentice to your role at Three Williams Cafe. So pretty much a journey between between Sicilian to Three Williams Cafe. Yeah. So we're, we're leaving TAFE. I got a job at um, the Conservation Hut, which is a cafe up in Wentworth Falls. And I did that for a year, and there was a good head chef there. He sort of took me under his wing. And uh, I'd done a year with him, and he, I sort of said, you know, I'm going to leave and go work in a restaurant somewhere, get a bit more experience, and I was going to look locally. And he said, mate, go to the city. you got to go to the city. So um, I did that, and I went, I went and applied at ARIA, and I uh, met Simon Sandal, the head chef at the time, and... Uh, did a trial, did a 16-hour you know, day trial. 16-hour day trial. Yeah, which is just what you did, you know. And I loved it, though. You know, I was just, you know, big kitchen, you know, 20 or 30 chefs in there. Yeah. And I'd only worked in, you know, smaller places. So that was a big eye-opener. But um, I didn't get the job. And, uh, you know, I was devastated because, you know, I worked so hard and I thought I did a good job. And even the chefs in there, like, mate, you're a shoe and you got this, you know, we'll see you next week, hopefully, when I was leaving. And I didn't get the job. And then about a week later, Simon rang me and said, look, our sister restaurant, Opera Bar, uh, has got a position. Would you like to, you know, start it off down there? So that's what I did. I went down there and, and um, commenced my apprenticeship at Opera Bar, which... So, so Opera Bar was... Part, still part of your apprenticeship? Yeah. Okay. So I started there as a second-year apprentice and uh, that really got me moving. Like, it was a fast-paced, big kitchen. I learned a lot, you know. I feel like um, I learned to cook there, you know. Like, I was doing proper pasta dishes, um, you know, cooking proper meats and steaks and, you know, I'd, I'd go from section to section, you know. I'd be, you know, six months on the hot entrees, then graduate to the fish section and do six months there, and then I was graduated to the meat. And so I got... Yeah, I got the chef de party, is that what... Yeah. yeah it's a role, so, yeah. So it's sort of... Um, it was a great experience, and you had to move. You had to work quick, like, because, you know, you get a lot of people down there, yeah. you know. And uh, I sort of felt like that um, springboarded me into ARIA because, you know, if I'd gone to ARIA as a, a young apprentice like that, I would have been making mashed potato, and that was about it, you know, okay, doing all yeah. those prep jobs. But I was actually cooking and, and gaining experience and building confidence. So when I uh, finally got the tap on the shoulder from Matt that I, you know, I graduated from Opera Bar, I showed that I wasn't, you know, just because I lived in the mountains, I wasn't going to, um, yeah. you know, not shut for work or, you know, I'd, I'd proved myself in that, in that respect. So then, yeah, I started at ARIA as a fourth-year apprentice, I think. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that at the time you looked at not getting the job at ARIA as a failure, mm. but then you went to Opera Bar and that kind of skyrocketed you to, back to, back to yeah, ARIA. Right. So, and so you, you're a fourth-year apprentice at ARIA. You finished your apprenticeship. What's next? 
So then I just, uh, I, I just worked away at Aria. I put my head down. And uh, that was a real team effort there. Like, uh, we all worked for one another. And we all, we all bonded together. We all um, socialised together after work. You That's know, cool. A lot of bonding and, and sort of bringing the team together. And I love that. Like, I, I've never really been involved in team sport, but I sort of felt like that was a connection that you get mm. you know, from team, that team aspect. That's beautiful. And then, so you've got Aria. How long were you at Aria before you left? Because I've read somewhere that you went overseas as well to learn. Yeah, so I've, I was probably at Aria six years, maybe. Okay. And I, yeah, I was sort of finished as a junior sous chef there, and then um, went over to London. Like oh, a lot of my mates went over to London to party, where I went over there to to get experience and to work. And I ended up working in a two Michelin star restaurant, the Square, under Phil Howard. Uh, it didn't last long. Like I was there, I was probably there six months, um, and then I sort of, uh, you know, I was just the hours and all my mates were partying and then there, you know, so yeah. I sort of, I sort of. What kind of hours were they like in London? At a two-headed chef, as a two-headed chef, yeah. you know, two-headed restaurant, what kind of hours are you doing? So it was 8 a.m. till 11.30 at night, five days a week. Fire out. So yeah, ground me down and, and you know, winter's a, a killer over there. How old like, were you at that point? I would have been 25 or something 25. Like that. So you're mature enough to know what you want, but at the yeah, same time... Yeah, it was hard because, you know, I'd climbed the ladder at Aria and I was, you know, one of the senior guys. And then to go over there and I was right back down the bottom, you know. That, yeah. So that was, that, was, that was tough to get through. But um, And then after the six months there, what was next? So then I thought to myself, you know, well, I've got to experience the world while I'm here as well. So I did a bit, you know, I had holidays and went skiing and, you know, partied with mates and stuff awesome. like that. But then also... Um, I got a job in a nightclub restaurant, which was the best thing for me. The, the head chef there, he, he'd worked in um, great places and, and it was a bit more relaxed. And I, it was a four-day week, so on my, one of my days off, you know, first time in my life I had three days off. So one of those days I'd go work for free in another restaurant, you know, wow. just do a stage and just learn and, and just stay connected with what's going on. And, you know, yeah. So that was, that was pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. And it just shows, like, that working for free, like, it's so many people that I've seen have done that, you know, have gone on to do good things because they're, they're willing, they love it. It's in their heart. They want yeah. to learn. They want to grow. So um, how long were you overseas before you came home? Almost two years, I think, just under two years. And was it you were ready to come home for a career change, as in like career progression, or was it more just you were ready to come home? Uh, I think it was my wife, actually. Well, I'm glad she <laughs> dragged me back, you know. So, so what was it? she was over there with you? She came over six months after I'd been there. Wow. Yeah. And you just met at ARIA, right? We met at ARIA and we were together at ARIA. So we had a uh, you know, six-month separation. Okay. Uh, you, you know, we were still together, and, but it was that long-distance thing, which was tough. Wow. But um, I think that made us stronger in the end, you know. That's beautiful. So you met um, Noreen, which we're going to talk about a little bit about further <laughs> on. The heart and soul of High Street there. Yeah, mate, yeah. <laughs> um, you met her at Aria, then you left to come to, uh, to go to the UK. Yeah. Um, and then obviously she was probably the biggest reason why you came home. All right, so you, you get back from overseas. What's, what's your next step after that? So I go back to Aria as a, a senior sous chef. And um, I'm sort of waiting in the wings because there's talk, there's, you know, they're opening more venues and so that sort of interests me. Maybe I could run one of them one day. As a head chef? As a head chef, yeah. you know, that would be my first sort of gig. Um, and Chiswick was on the horizon uh, in Wallara and, you know, I was groomed for that role and I sort of, uh, you know, that was a big deal for me, you know, getting, you know, getting that role. And there was sort of two years where, you know, They've got the venue and, you know, I'm going to be the head chef and there was menu tastings and, you know, after one after the other and you know, sort of working at Aria full time at the same time. And so I was a bit, you know, it was high pressure opening, you know what I mean, when we, when we got in there. And, um, you know, around the same time I was getting married and, you know, the opening came around, it was you know, super high bars about the place and it was pretty awesome but I, you know, to be honest, I didn't handle it, you know what I mean, so... Wait, which, is this at Chiswick? At Chiswick, yeah. yeah, so, I, you know, I opened that and maybe three weeks later I was out of there. Wow. So, and I, I felt like a failing on my part 
Um, and I was I was lost in the wilderness for a good two years after that. Wow. And, and can you talk to us a little bit about that experience? Like, for you to say that is, is a big deal, right? Because you're probably, well, you are one of the best chefs in, in Western Sydney, in my opinion, and you've worked at the best restaurants like Aria, Chiswick. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that experience and what you th- felt that you weren't ready? Was it you weren't ready for it? I think it was partly I wasn't ready for it. Um, but it was me pushing myself to be ready and I wasn't ready, if that makes okay. sense. Okay, yeah, Do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And that's sort of me looking with, you know, looking back yeah. with, in hindsight. But, you know, you know, as a young lad, you're like, I can do this. I want to, yeah. you know, that's going to be the career for me. I want, to, I want to be in that restaurant. That's so cool. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I did put the work in, but I probably put too much work in. And I burnt myself, burnt myself out. Wow. You know? and, I was, and, and like I said, we were getting married at the same time. It was just... just a few different things going wrong at the same time. Not so going much, wrong, but, you know, so colliding happening. at the same time. 100%. You know I mean? And you want to keep your wife happy. You want to make sure that you're, you're happy. And, and, and what was – so you so you took that Chiswick role as a head chef? Yep. That's that, huge. You know, Mate, that's, that just, just to even be mentioned as a head chef for that venue – is a massive achievement. Yeah. So don't. It didn't last long, mate. So don't mate um, <laughs> I would be putting it on my resume a hundred. Yeah. But you know what? That I think that was a catalyst for. You know, I didn't want to be known as that guy that failed. You know what I mean? So that. Wow. And you know, from there I went on to. I reached out to a mate, uh, Tom Walton, who has the bucket list in Bondi. Yeah. And uh, he took me on as a chef to party, which is a yeah, demotion, you know, from yeah. where I've been in the last, you know, four to five years. How did that feel? Uh, it was the best thing for me because it was right in time for summer, you know, down in Bondi. <laughs> Not the I worst part. Yeah, you know, I didn't have any pressures of, you know, managing staff or yeah. rostering or ordering or, you know, I was just, I was simply cooking. So that was the best thing for me and I thank him for that opportunity That's awesome. to get me down there. But um, I sort of knew that, I'll get back this, you know, to the right place somewhere, somehow. So I didn't, I didn't stay with him very long. It was more just to clear my head and get myself back on track. Build, build that confidence again? Yeah, build the confidence, yeah. get my mojo back sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I think, I would, you know, a lot of people would have thought I was lost in the wilderness for a while because I bounced around. I went, I went from there to Maryvale for a little bit. Um, I was at four in hand for a little while and then it was probably wasn't until we had our first son uh, that I real, had this realisation that I can't do these chef hours and be the dad that I want to be. Yeah. Um, and that's when I sort of thought, oh, cafes might be for me. Do you know what I mean? So, so from, from Bondi, the bucket list, to through Williams, how long was that period? Probably two two years. Two I years, and so Braden's born, your son's born. Yeah, legend of a kid. <laughs> um, yes. Your first child. You're, you're, you want to obviously change your lifestyle a little bit. Yep. You get approached for three Williams. Well, actually, um, so when I was working at the Four in Hand, just I was only there briefly. I sort of I met a guy who introduced me to Joey, who was running uh, Ruben Hills Cafe. Oh yeah. So. I sort of knew that oh, I've got all this, this experience in fine dining and, and restaurant. I've never really done cafe. So I went and worked with um, Ruben Hills for six months and learned that, like, that short order cooking, yeah. that quick sort of style. Um, and, and I was amazed how, how quickly you could clear a docket rail. You know, like in restaurant, you know, you've got the long docket rail, you got, you're getting slammed, you've got to wait for mains to be called away before you can go on them and it's... Even though it's a fast pace, it's slower than cafe. Like, so cafe is super quick. Oh, I, I learned that at Ruben Hills. You, know, you, can, you learn that very quickly. You learn when that very quickly, <laughs> mate. You've got to move. You've got to yeah. move your ass. You know, I love man. this, man. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> and that's all I needed. I, need a little, I just wanted a little bit of experience in cafe land before I went head chef at, uh, at Three Williams. Okay, so you do, um, you're at that cafe, you, at Ruben Hills, sorry, you, you're ready. How do you get? How does the process of three rooms come about? I saw the ad. To be honest, I awesome. saw an ad in in, in uh, on Seek. <clears throat> Went down there and met Toby. Toby's uh, the owner of Toby's three. the owner, and 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 uh, yeah, just got started with. Uh, and I think having Chiswick under my belt was a good thing because uh, that was from a ground up. You know, that, that was had to fit the place out. So. Yeah. And it was the same at, at Three Williams. That was just an empty, empty shell. Mm. And so I'd, I'd had the experience of, okay, how do we build this from the ground up? 
Um, yeah. So I was, I was able to help out in that respect, I think, you know, in the kitchen and, you know, where do we put this dishwasher as a place to that and, you know, you, you configuring... Helping to configure. Yeah, and that, that comes with the experience, right? So That's you're, what I mean. you're now so yeah. looking back uh, on Chiswick as a failing, but actually I really took a lot. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think Chiswick wasn't a failure at all. I think what you for, to even be mentioned along the name of Chiswick for because Matt Marine restaurant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To be mentioned, that's that's huge, yep. man. So, and I think did Toby realise how lucky he was when he when he seen your resume come through? He's like, hey, yeah, I thought you probably was, you know. Um, so, what, what was the process through William? So, you, you, Toby, and also Glenn, who Glennie, now, yeah, some, I forgot to mention him, yeah. legend Glenny, huh? yeah, from um, Sonoma, yeah. So, what was the process like from starting through Williams to to opening to by the time you had left? Well, uh Sort of same thing as, as Chiswick, how, you know, we had menu tastings. I did, I think I did a few at my house on my balcony. You know, wow. Had the charcoal grill going and smoking out my neighbours and, you know, grilling eggplants and all sort of stuff. And <clears throat> so, yeah, and just, just sort of showing those guys, okay, is this the direction we take with the menu and getting their approval and, or, or their disapproval on, on which scenario? Um, and then... Then hiring the crew, that which was the hard part as well, you know, getting, yeah. getting it, you know, getting the troops in. And, and what was you? You've started through Williams. What was the process like? Like, was it busier than Ruben Hills? The experience it there. It was super busy. Really. It was super busy. Because it's, it, it's, tri- it's probably triple the size of that of Ruben Hills. Wow. You know? How many it's seats? Big, from memory, around a hundred. Wow. Hundred seats. It's a big, big sort of factory space yeah and it's an amazing venue and it's, and it's received a lot of accolades and obviously you're a big part of that like you put in your name on Google and it's all like <laughs> Aria, Chizik, um Three Williams and Three Williams the reason why Three Williams is so good today is because obviously you started it and you, you built that up what was that experience like is there any what's some positives and negatives that you take out from that positives are definitely uh, confidence boosting that I, I can run a cafe I can run a busy cafe I can yeah. help to get the customers in Okay. You know what I mean? So that's, and also I think, you know, coming from Aria and Chiswick and getting a getting a dish on the menu, I felt it was so hard back there. Like you had to get approval and try that, and you'd have an idea for a dish and it'd just get totally mixed up into something else, you know, just just through nitpicking. Yeah. Uh, whereas I sort of had a bit more freedom to develop my style. Okay. Yeah, you know, I didn't have people over my shoulder, you know. You find to- felt. Toby was someone that gave you free reign. I think so, yeah, and and, and he was he's a food lover as well. Like mm. so, if if it was tasty, he was he'd pat on the back and he he sort of loved that, you know, like being in there tasting yeah. and you know this is awesome, Tim. You get it on the menu. Come on, let's go. He's that sort of guy. That's awesome. So yeah, he was good in that respect. And and any any what was the negative? How long were we at through Williams for? Uh, it was probably uh, just under a year. A year. Something and like what, was, what was the experience like? What, like, obviously, you're head chef there. You're working for someone else. At this point, you're like, I want to open my own venue? Getting to that position. Getting to that position. But uh, I sort of didn't have the balls at okay. that stage. I really didn't. And uh, Why is that? Well, one, <clears throat> one was the money. Well, I hadn't even thought about leaving the city if I was to open. We, we actually looked at other places to open in the city. And, and it sort of dawned on me, okay, how are we going to do that? Um, having a son, you know, living in a one-bedroom flat, like, how am I going to give my kid, you know, the opportunity to grow up like I did? Like, I had the best upbringing. Like, and you're a Westie, yeah, Blue Mountains. Lower Blue Mountains and, um, you know, across the road was a BMX track. Down the back was the bush. So I was down the bush all day or, you know, chucking rocks in creeks or, you know, I'd be over there across the road doing jumps on my bike and you know so I sort of had that burning in me like I want to I want my my kid to experience that somehow so how am I going to do that in the city and um I left I left three Williams and I left there to go to fresh catering actually and they they sort of promised me a bit extra money and so that was a lure and then sorry you went from three three Williams to fresh catering yeah and what was that just so that was a head chef job in on Bridge Street okay um they had a venue there that was going to do catering and be a cafe restaurant. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so I, le- I left Three Williams, you know, to get more money pretty much. They, they offered me more money. And 
and then I realised that it's not all about the money. You know, like, the grass isn't always greeny, do you know what I mean? And that's... I had the realisation there, like, what am I going to keep doing? Just jumping around from place to place. I'd been from Bondi to, you know, all the ones I've mentioned. And, and, and here I am, a fresh catering thing. You know, what am I going to do? Am I going to get sick of this and go do something else? You know, I'm going around in circles here. Yeah. And my wife could see it. She's like, you know, what are... You know, I'm, I'm even thinking I'm going to give up. I'm even thinking I'm going to, you know try my hand at something else, you know, like, because I can't keep going around in circles like this. So you, you actually considered giving up being a yeah, chef? I did. Wow. I did. And, uh, you know, my family dragged me back down to earth and, you know, and so did my wife. And, and I, I had the realisation as well. It was like, mate, I didn't spend all my Saturday nights, all my Sundays, all my public holidays working for the last 20 years to, to not get something out of this industry. A hundred percent. So, and it wasn't until... Well, Noreen said, she goes, why don't we just open our own? We'll sell our apartment, we'll move in with your parents and we'll find a place out west. So wow. it was her idea, mate, not mine. <laughs> so we got Noreen to thank for yeah. this amazing venue we got in Canada. Yeah. And she was even like, I'll go run it and you keep your job in the city and then we'll, wow. we'll meet up somehow. And I was like, I'm not going to let you do that on your own. Yeah. I've got to go and help you, you know. So, so all right. So you've decided you you, you want to continue. You want to open your own venue. You have got the support of your wife. What's the process like? How did how did High Street Depot, uh, Depot get started? Um, so well, first things first, we had to we had to sell the apartment and move in with mum and dad, which we did in the Low Blue Mountains. Yeah, just up in Mount Roof there, and um, and so I got a job at two double seven three uh, cafe in, in Glenbrook. That's, that's probably at that point probably one of the busiest cafes out west wasn't yeah that it? was busy yeah. oh, I had to work there I really had to work yeah. you know, and um, you know not that I didn't have the mentality that I wouldn't you know but you know yeah I was, I was in the pans going hard yeah, you, know? you underestimate how like yeah, it's out west it's, it, not just that but I suppose um, you know I had the idea of oh no pressure I won't be a head chef I'll just be on the tools and it'll be all good but yeah like I said I had to work and which is all good but um and then on days off, we'd just be scouring Penrith for, for sites. That's awesome. And then, obviously, you're finding you're looking for sites. What are you looking for? Are you looking for a small site? Are you, like, at the time, were you looking for anything and everything? Or you just... Yeah, I think anything, anything and everything. But um, we sort of grew inspiration of, you know, look at this place. How can, yeah, they can operate. Why can't we? Why can't we do it? Like, yeah. how do they do it? You know, like, yeah. So we were, you know, infiltrating little, you know... Same, even working at 2073, I you know, infiltrating little, taking little things that they do. And, 100%. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. There's no original idea yeah, ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I didn't have any contacts for suppliers out here. So, you know, I was, I was scouring invoices there and yeah. getting phone numbers and, and, you know, meeting suppliers and delivery boys and, you know, sort That's of awesome. trying to somehow, you know, not just get the confidence, but get, I need some contacts out here. You know? Yeah, and it's like an apprentice to start a business, right? Like yeah. you're going, you've done the apprentice for cooking. Now it's like an apprentice for starting a business, and yeah. and it's it just a lot of people don't see that before they like they think you just come in, open a business, you're thriving, yeah. no issues. But all that, all that, you yeah. pretty much like you said, it was apprentice for for opening yeah. a business. So, can you tell us a little bit about? I remember you once told me that um, your dad thought you were crazy for the site you, you are in now in High Street, which is obviously, it's a busy street, but yeah. it's, it's also a bit of an awkward place as well. And yeah. what, was, what was your dad's well, reaction? He's like, well, that's $2 town. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And he, he's never been afraid to tell it how it is. That's honest, know? yeah. But, um, and it was like, you know, it had a bit of a stigma that, you know, it's all just $2 shops and salvos and TAB and, you know, dodgy places but you know me and Noreen took a walk down there and we we noticed well amongst all that there's you know specialist dentists and lawyers and real estate agents and you know working professionals um let's just target them all so we sort of saw it as a okay this this could work you know and there's not a huge amount of competition on that street for good food yeah at the time do you know what I mean um and out the back there was ample car park spaces and you know that that all factored in as well all right so you find the site you start negotiating lease what was that process like who was anyone helping you with that or was it just you and noreen no, me and noreen just going gung-ho really that's and awesome i didn't i didn't feel any stress at that point because i'd done it 
I got my, my mojo back with Three Williams and I proved to myself that I could open a venue from the ground up. Yeah. Even though it was someone else's money. But, um, you know, I felt like I had the tools to get it off the ground. Um, I didn't have a stress in the world. It wasn't until everything was, um, you know, we'd fitted out the place, we've chosen the decor and, you know, coffee, what coffee we were using and, you know, decking it all out and then... We open and there's no customers, mate. Like, wow. That, so, that's so when it hit me, you know. Like, uh, you know, I'd open Three Williams and now bang, there's customers on the door. Yeah. Your yeah. expectation was you're going to have the Three Williams experience where people are just going to come through yeah. the door. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And I really want to talk about that. Now, you're saying so up until that point, you weren't feeling the stress. I didn't have the stress in the world because I knew, like, I've done this. I've done this now. I've been through what I have been through, you know. And now, now I'm just going to cook and... The customers are going to come, right? Wow. You know? Once they know how good your food is, they're 100%. And so, all right, so let's talk about that moment where you open up the doors. Do you know what day it was? I don't. I'm, uh, that's a bit of a blur. <laughs> you blocked it out. It would have been midweek. Mid-week. It would have been midweek sometime, yeah. And, and what was that feeling like? You're saying there's no customers. Talk me through that experience. It was, you know, because uh, the weekend prior, we did a soft opening for all our friends and family. Okay. And that was... It was we got, you know, it was a full cafe scenario. So we, we got we got a bit of a workout and we, you know, the chefs that I had there with me and the front of house that we'd hired, they got a test of what it would be like to be busy. And then the following week when we opened, <clears throat> it was dribs and drabs, you know. So wow. everyone was just sort of, you know, is this going to work, you know? Well, how many conversations do you reckon you had with Noreen about, have we done the right thing? Is this the right spot? Should have listened to Dad. Uh, we didn't. We didn't talk like that at all. We just like, okay, how do we get this busy? Like, there's people out there. What do we do? How do we get them in in the door? Um, and we we had a you know we had our Facebook pages, we had our Instagram pages, but it was we needed more than that. And I suppose the only way to get them in was through Noreen. Like, she's got the gift of the gab. She's amazing, man. Like, yeah. And uh, people came, like, in the beginning, the first regulars that we built up were people just coming in to say hello to Noreen. And, you know, wow. if, if for some reason she was off, they're like, oh, I'll come back when she's on. <laughs> <laughs> Noreen, you've got to work seven days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and then when, how long did it take till you started thinking, yep, this is going to work? Well, we'd, been, we'd doing, been doing low figures. Even on the weekend, we sort of started getting a little bit busier and, you know, slowly, slowly and, you know, do an extra grand on what we did last weekend and and you know I just wanted to get to you know more and more and it wasn't happening and we sort of plateaued there for a little while and it wasn't until we got a good review in um, the Telegraph or the Herald I can't remember which one um, and they, they gave us a glowing review of you know best in the west and you know all the rest of it that's awesome so and and even that day it was i remember it was on radio local radio out here and we're like what where did this come from just takes time that's all it is right yeah and and even that day when when it all hit the news came out we traded for an extra hour because of you know people just wanted to come and check out this local jam i suppose how long was that from when you opened till you started getting that coverage? That was about six months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's the thing. And because you worked at three, three Williams and from day one it was busy, the thought is natural. And I had Dylan on the podcast, the mm. first episode, and he talks yeah. about an hour and a half, no one coming in. Yeah. Like he's just sitting yeah. waiting for customers to come in and that feeling, all you want to do is cook good food and make good coffee. But also like f- to make money, you've got to sell the food and if you don't sell the food the food goes in the bin or you take it home you know, yeah. and the, how do you make money off something you've bought in you not, you're not selling it yeah. you know? so, and then you, you have thoughts of man we're going backwards here so, so talk to me a little bit about that like with numbers and wastage I think we talk a little bit about food cost and wage cost the, the wastage and, and costings and, and have you always been really good at that or is that something you noticed a lot more why you, when you got into the business own your own business uh, wow well, <laughs> It's a good question because at ARIA and whatnot, we, we had, you know, systems to, to monitor all that stuff and you get daily food costs and, and stuff like this. And I always thought it was a bit of bullshit, really. Like, you know, you can get... What if you get a good price on, you know, an olive oil and you, you buy a pallet of it and then, you know, your food costs through the roof, but it's not until you've used it all up that yeah. you get the benefit, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I sort of, I, you know, I sort of... I hated all that 
you know, oh, food course has got to be this, got to be that. Um, so opening my own one, being responsible for my own one, you know, I see what's coming in, I see what's going out. You know, I mean, I try not to overthink it. I try not to overorder. Um, I've got that mentality of, okay, this single egg, that's a bargaining chip, right? That gets me yeah. money in the till. If I waste this egg, you know, you know it's, it's only an egg, but I'm saying that's one ingredient. Like, what about the rest of the menu? 100%. You know what I mean? So you've got to have that mentality of, okay, everything is precious here. We, you know, you got to make money off this to pay your mortgage, to pay your staff, to you know, to have money to live. Mm. So, do you think, and that, and you're there, and you're there five days a week, and some days you have to do seven if someone calls in sick. Do you think that model will be able to grow if you wanted to grow? Like, do you think you'd have to change things up system wise if you were to open more venues? Yeah, I'd ha- I think I would have to, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm gradually getting there. Like, I, I look back at myself even two years ago, and I was I was a bit too controlling. You know, okay. uh, so, so, so it's it's experience that comes down to, and learning Massively. to let go, learning to let go, which my wife's helped me with a lot as well, but also the team around me, like their guns, you know, and I, I need to, well, you know, I've realised that they can do it, you know, they've got the recipes there, they've got the technique, and they they want to do it, so l- let them do it, you know. So that's well, and that's the thing when you're not there, they still they, they smash it. Like you you can't tell that you're not there when mm. when the food comes out because it's perfect and it's exactly how you'd plate it up. So yeah. you should be proud of that, man. Thanks, that's, Phil. That's, I am. I am, and I'm proud of them. You're good on you, man. That's yeah. awesome. And and what? So we're gonna obviously come back and forth with High Street Depot, but most of your experiences have come from fine dining backgrounds. Yeah. Um, we spoke a little bit about you your first business being a cafe. Did you? Was that always the intention you wanted to open a cafe once you kind of, you had your son Braden or was it more, you know what, I want to, um, I would like to open a restaurant in Penrith or was it always a cafe idea as soon as you decided? We were tossing up, we were tossing up between cafe and, um, and restaurant. We were going down the road, oh, we'll do both, you know, and we were going to do that from the get-go, but we couldn't get our liquor licence to line up with the opening and so we were like, okay. let's just run it as a cafe and see what happens. Um... And eventually that took off and, you know, we ha- we've had a go at that. We've had a go at doing dinners and it's a huge workload on us. But, you know, we've got great feedback from, from, uh, from the customers. But, you know, looking back at, you know, our storage levels and, you know, where are we going to put all this, you know? 100%. And, and I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't realise to do three services, breakfast, lunch yeah. and dinner, it's a whole other yeah. process, right? That's it. So, and all right, so you're, you've got... We, we know how, how hard hospitality is, front of house, back of house, but being a chef is one of the harder, hardest parts of hospitality. You know, you're in this box, you're working in the heat, yep. the pressure's on, you have wait times. What, what made you, I guess, what you speak a little bit about you like the industry, but how many times, you've spoken about Chizuk, how you wanted to go away. Was there more than one or two times where you thought, you know what, I'm going to give this up? Was that a constant thought, like, I'm going to give this up, I'm going to give this up? Or was it something that just happened, like, obviously Chizuk is one of those experiences, but... yeah. I think it's collective, collective experiences, and um, that was hard. You know, having that realization that you know I've got to get out of this. Like, mate, what are you doing? You know, like beating yourself up, and yeah. But I suppose that was just one period in my life. Like, and once once I cleared that out of my mind, you know, I'm going, mate, I'm a chef, mate. You know, like I've been in this since I was 16. What am I going to do? You know, you're not you're no good at anything else anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. So, and, but is that? Is but that I, I'm immersed in it. Like, I, I eat out heaps, and I love eating yeah. out. Uh, you know, I educate myself in the field. Like, I, you know, whether it's studying cookbooks or going out to learn. You know, eating, eating in restaurants. I've learned so much just from eating in places. Yeah. You know, and even even if I've had had a shit meal, like. I've learned from that, like, don't serve anything like that, right? Yeah, you know, you know the standard. I know the feeling when you get served something cold, or, you know, or that's no good, or, you know. A hundred percent. And that's, and that's, it's learning the good and the bad, right? Yeah. That's a hundred percent. deciphering right. what's, what's good and what's not good, you know. Mm. Then what, what's the difference between chef owner, operator, and being head chef of a venue? Like, where did the pressures change? Obviously, you said that building High Street Depot was okay, like, you didn't have the pressure until you noticed, hey, there's no customers at the start. Yeah. But what's the difference between being that chef-owned operator to head chef? Uh, instantly, your ego is dropped. You drop really? the ego. You need to drop the ego. Like, being employed as a head chef, there's a bit of swagger about it. Like, you know, I'm the head chef here and, 
you know, whereas you become owner and now you're responsible for that sous chef being there or that apprentice being there, you know, you're, you're in charge of, you know, if they leave, who's coming in? Whereas uh, previously, like, if someone left, you know, oh, mate, what am I supposed to... You're getting out in the paper, will you? Wow. So get, get these guys in, you know, and, yeah. and which is looking back, like, I'm an idiot for thinking like that, you know, like... Well, you didn't know any different, but that was that's like at the end of the yeah. day, if you miss, you need a staff member. You go to the boss and you say, "Yeah, hey, that's right." You know what I mean? Whereas now, you know, which has made me nurture, nurture more. Um, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, you know, and I've been lucky enough to have Beck and Chris with me pretty much. You know, Beck nearly since the opening. I think she started a week week after we opened. Wow. She'd been with me that, that whole five years, and then uh, Chris probably three years. So. You know, I think that's testament to uh, what Noreen and I have built, but also a testament to them, you know, Beck and Chris have been the backbone and supporting us. Mm. And I think, I mean, what a blessing it'd be for them to, to be able to live, because they both live out west, but to be able to work under someone as good as you, that's, that's, that's very special, yeah. man. So. But I try to be flexible as well, like if they need, whatever they need, you know, if they need a day off to be with their kids or whatever, mm. you know, I'm, instantly shuffle things around Good on you. to suit that because I know what it's like as well, you know. So. Mm. But that's what's beautiful is that you've gone through the experience as, as a chef working for someone else, as a business owner. So now you have the ability to to give them what they want. So that's a good segue into our next question about a little bit about culture and, and, and how you guys have, have built a culture. Do you think you have a good culture at your, at, at your venue? We see it. We go there all the time. And we love, obviously, everyone's happy. Yeah. What, what have you guys done to help create a good culture? I think part of it, and it sort of goes away from being able to step away from the business, you know, as other people, you know, can do. But us being there, I think, is a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the troops seeing us in there with them, in the in the trenches with them, in, in those busy situations, like we're in there toiling as well. So I think they get the respect, you know, they respect us for doing that. We're not just standing there from a afar cracking a whip going do this do that you know we're in there doing it with them yeah so I think that's that that's definitely built a foundation um but just looking out for each other and and you got to have banter you got to have a bit of fun as well you can't just it's kind of be serious and that's awesome and and obviously you touched on social media a little bit how are you with social media? Are you, are you the man that runs the socials on, on for High Street Depot? Or is it um, is it Noreen? And, and how important is it for your business? Do you think? Uh, it's super important. Uh, Noreen runs it all. You can probably tell from the spelling mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> That's awesome. You haven't no, seen. She, yeah, go on. She runs it. She runs it. Um, you know, I. I suppose I sort of put my little input in, you know, you know, word it like this or word it like that, but you know, she she runs it all mm. pretty much. Do you find is it can you run a business without social media? You reckon? I mean, your venue is it's 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 part of people's routine, and a lot of people, you know, they, they always mm. hear them. They'll start their day at High Stepper or whatever. But do you think your business needs social media? Yeah, uh, just to get the word out, especially that you know, there's a new menu item or there's a special on for today. Get down yeah. here, you know, and that's unreal. Like sometimes, you know, you, there's some menu items where you, you get like two two comments, and then there's somewhere you get like 30 or 40 comments. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, even if the, it's other people tagging other people in it, like that's someone that maybe they won't come, but maybe they'll think, oh, next time I'll be able to. 100%. It's just staying. You know, it's just connect connection and. Um, it's a pretty amazing tool. Yeah, and it's it's still free. Like at the end of the day, you can do sponsored ads, but the fact that we have this platform mm. where we can, you know, essentially we're staying relevant by being on social media, yeah. right? So you've spoken a bit about Noreen. Um, last week we interviewed Georgina Venzen um, a little bit, and we spoke a lot about women in hospitality. And I'd love to I'd love to talk about your amazing wife. Um, she's obviously the face of High Street Depot. You know, you're always smiling, so attentive. You can yeah. tell that the, all the guests want her attention when she's there. Can you tell us more about the impact she's had on, on your business and also on you personally? Uh, on the business, mate, she's, she's all over it. Like, customer service is, is number one for her, making people feel welcome. Mm. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's become friends with a huge amount of our customers, you know, socially. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, outside of work. So that's, I think that's, that's a testament to her as well. 
but uh, definitely her effect on me is uh, her positive outlook permanently. Yeah. I don't think she's ever thought negatively in her life. You know. Yeah. Can we add as well? There's you got four children under six. Is it under seven? Under seven. Seven. Yeah. So there you got Brayden. You got the twins. We got twin boys, and then we got Maya, the girl. Yeah. So and she's pretty much That's only it taking. Now, Phil. <laughs> So one more, one more. Course. So I think I think it's it's very important to you know like it still bothers me that women aren't getting the same recognition that men get in hospitality. Yeah. And I think Noreen's a great example. And obviously you're a partner yeah. in business and life, but it's the impact she can have on the business while also running. I know. Well, she first and foremost, she's a mum. She's a mum, like a great mum. She wrangles kids like no other. Yeah. You know? <laughs> She's getting the pram in and out with the one, one strapped on the front of her. She's got the twins on the, you know, the other one hooting around town. Look, she'll just come down to the depot just to greet customers and then, and then be on her way. Do you know what I mean? So that's... That's amazing. Because a lot of people just want to stay out. Four kids, you want to stay at home. Like, you yeah. haven't got the energy for it. And, and that's the one thing you said. She's always positive, always smiling. Is that how she is at work? Is that how she's at home? Definitely. That's Except beautiful. in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> So grandma and bad mornings. All right, we got this. Uh, she's awesome. Um, I couldn't do it without her at night. That's like, beautiful. Man. There's no other way. And it's a dream team. You've got one in the back, you're in the back, she's at front of house. That's it's it. a dream team. And so. she's a chef by trade. So, you know, if I'm ever down or, you know, down on staff or someone needs a day off, she can jump in and... Do you, do you, you struggle know. Do you struggle to work together sometimes just because it's husband and wife and you're at home together, obviously? Sometimes. I mean... I think my biggest fault is that I can be a bit short with her because I know her so well, and you yeah. know, and she'll jump in the kitchen and put something in the wrong spot. I was like, mate, you know it goes there. Like, come on. Like, yeah. yeah. But they're little things, you know. It's just little things. And in during service, she understands that, right? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. And obviously, again, I, you know, I'm glad that I got a chef owner operator on here. When you're starting a new menu looking for a new dish, what's the process like? How do you start? How do you create a menu? You've obviously spoken about you go out and you see what others are doing. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's got scrambled eggs on toast and things yep. like the basic stuff. But you're, you're, you come from a fine dining background. So how, how do you, your process probably be a little bit different to other chefs starting menus. What's the process like? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's cliche, but you start with the seasons. So whatever's, whatever's in season yeah. uh, and build it around that really. But also, you know, I try to make stuff that I want to eat, you know, that I like, you know, flavour combos that, that work for me. And I, sp- I suppose that's our signature at the depot. You can sort of see that, I think. Um, but, you know, I'm contacting suppliers, you know, you know, how long is this going to be around for, whether it's, you know, an artichoke or, you know, beetroots or, you know, what, how long is that going to be available on the, in the season so we can run that run that for, you know, get a bit of turbulence out of it on the menu for a little while, you know. And, and how important is it, is it staying relevant with menu, you know, specials, all that kind of stuff? Is it, is it not, obviously you constantly do specials. Is that just to essentially stay more relevant than anything, get, bring people yeah. back? Yeah, and, uh, you know, just a lot of people just order the same thing, like your mate Jake. I don't think he's <laughs> ever ordered anything else. So what if, you know, if we change the menu and take that off, like... Yeah. It's, it's you know, so we sort of get stuck with a few staples, which I'm okay with. Like, mm. I really am. Like, a lot of people say, you know, you need change. Yeah, how can you just make the same thing over and over? But you got to keep people happy. You know, if that's what they want to eat, that's what they want to eat. And mm. as long as you've got that standard, um, they'll come back for it. And, yeah. and by integrating the specials, uh, so that there's always something, you know, or ninety percent of the time, there's always something else to choose from mm. I think that's good as well yeah that's awesome and your specials obviously you know like I said there's times where you post something up and I'll be straight there so yeah. your specials are obviously working but um, what does Jake order when he comes in super salad <laughs> salmon for protein well done well done oh, mate, uh, come on he's, he's a funny and you, and you know what that's credit to you because he hates salmon so you do a good, if he's eating salmon it means you're doing something right um, Tim how, how do you how do you deal with with reviews and bad reviews and 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 what do you do to say, like, what do you say to respond when you see a bad review? Uh, well, my wife mainly does all the replying, but, she, you know, kill me kindness. That's all we can yeah. do, you know. If it's a bad one and it's, it's warranted, um, you know, we're apologetic and, you know, try to get them back in somehow mm. and, you know, meals on us or whatever it is. But rarely does that happen, but you're going you're gonna to get it from time to time. Yeah. 
but the positive reviews are always great. Like it's, you know, sort of um, gives you that gratification that you're doing the right thing. You know? 100%, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I've spoken a few times before about how much I struggle with bad reviews and we're a big yeah. venue and, we, you know, we're not going to please everyone. Yeah. I think it is, like you said, there's times where it's warranted and there might be something wrong with the dish or we yeah. might have overcooked something or undercooked something. Yeah. But does it, is it something we, obviously you guys don't get many because you create what you do, but is it something that you let Noreen deal with and you're like, just deal with that side of things? Yeah, yes and no. Like in the beginning, I wanted to read every review and, and then, you know, you read a negative one and then you, you say to yourself, oh, I'm, not, I'm just going to eliminate myself from that situation. I'm not going to read them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you, but then you have to, to grow, I think, you know. Mm. And, but like I said, Noreen's the best at that. She'll just, she just kills them with kindness in the right way, look, not over the top. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it sends the right message and, the, you know, tell, let them know that we care about that situation as well, you know. Of course, so. yeah. People are sometimes want to be heard, right? Yeah. Um, all right, so what... We, we recently, just a couple of days ago, went to a farm yep. out in Wilberforce um, from, you know, MD Providor set it up. And we obviously took us out there to learn more about produce, how it's grown, um, the process, what it takes. Yep. Obviously, we had a lot of fun. Um, what did you get out of that? I had a sore face from laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, how much fun was that? that was I amazing. had a heap of fun. Yeah. It, was, you know, it, was, it was great. And, you know, chefs should do it more often, I reckon. You know, get out to... To see you know the farms and the you know local producers it's it's an eye opener it's a day out of the kitchen as well you know? yeah but um i took away uh even just listening to the lady that runs it i forgot her name i'll put it in the put it in the thing the show notes there yeah but uh hearing her passion you know it, it wasn't so much seeing the, the you know the plants and whatnot that she grows like i've seen that before but it was more hearing her passion and her story of, you know, getting up at 4am and harvesting in this X amount of time before the sun comes up and ruins all the baby herbs and, you know, she's a hard worker, you know, uh, to get all that done, you know, like. Yeah, that's, is it, is it something that you think it should be done? A lot, like you're saying, a lot more chefs should be doing this and getting out there and, and trying to. I think so. I know, you know, I've been guilty of thinking, oh, it's so wanky, man, getting out there and doing that, like, get real. But after doing it, um, it's an eye opener, and, and like I said, it's a day out of the kitchen. It's a day where okay, it's not your normal setting of pressure in service. You know, there's no service involved, and it's just a good networking session. And you know, yeah. we had a barbie at the end as well, didn't we? So that was great. Yeah, MD can so, put on a barbecue, oh, honey. <laughs> he was giving me a hard time last week, so we're going to have to have a chat to him, I reckon. So. Um, yeah, no, I, mean, I really enjoyed that. And I think it was good for us to catch up as well. Obviously, we've got a great friendship, so it was good yep. to catch up and Definitely. have a bit of a laugh and steal some ideas from you. Yeah, you know? <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, bro. <laughs> what was the solar leave you're using? No, no, just joking. Um, what's, obviously, we, we still got a few questions, but um, is there a mentor that's helped you kind of essentially build confidence or is it someone that took you under the wing that you really, like you've mentioned a few, but someone that you come straight to mind when you think as a mentor? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few straight up. Like um, going to Opera Bar, um, straight in there, uh, the head chef there, Christopher Whitehead, he's, he's a veteran of the industry. Like he's, he knows his stuff and he would give me little cookbooks to take home and study, you know, ones that he'd, he'd had for years and that sort of um, grew the spark in me to, you know, want to learn and and you know experienced other cuisines and whatnot so he was definitely one um and he took me back at maryvale as well when he moved there so you know he's been a big one but even tom walton at the bucket list like his philosophy uh not just food but life like he's he's um he's a clean eater he's an exerciser you know and you know that mental sort of well-being focus so he's been a real good role model for me as well yeah. Awesome. And um, advice for chefs starting out. What, if someone wants to get in the industry now, they're 16, they're leaving high school just like you did. What, what advice would you give them? Just do it. And, and don't be afraid of the hard work. Get in there and, and see it as a, as a sport, you know what I mean, and, and as an education. But also pick, pick the right places to work. Like don't just go to the RSL or something like that. Like you're just going to pick up bad habits. Like go and work for somewhere maybe you've eaten there with your family that you had a good 
a good meal or a memorable meal and you know how can you learn those dishes and and um, you know don't be afraid to ask questions and and you've got to live it and breathe it so get out there and, and you know dine in these restaurants experience these places you know. and how important is that like you, you sat there and you know you're speaking about um, living and breathing it like can you can a chef get to the top without reading the cookbooks, without going to the restaurants? Is that possible? Can they do that? A select few, maybe, yeah. but I think you know you have to. Uh, but it's even for your own downtime, you know, going out to eat. And, mm. You know, like I love just being a customer instead of being the one that's doing the serving. You know? Like I feel yeah. so relaxed when I go and and get a good meal and there's a buzz about the place. Mm. No, that's awesome. And and what, what do you think the industry like is like now for chefs? Like how has it changed? Um, for good and for bad? For good, I think... Well, I don't think... I think chefs have been doing less hours lately than ever. Like I, like I said, my trial area was a 16-hour day. I don't think that happens anymore. Yeah. You know, so... What, what was your average week at your peak of your career? Was, oh, in the, in the UK, it was, like I said, you know, 8 till midnight pretty much, five days a week. But um, in the fine dining places in Sydney, you would do maybe two or three doubles a week which is, wow and then two single shifts mm. but you know i suppose that's the lure of cafe world as well yeah that's that's do you think that's why cafe the cafe scene's exploded because of the lifestyle that cafes can bring i think so for, for yeah. some chefs but also um there's a price point there isn't it you know people can afford it it's affordable it's, a, totally. it's more daily sort of um orientation that you can yeah can go to whereas you know restaurants might be a special occasion but mm. I suppose you know local eateries uh, are definitely helping to transform that yeah for sure um, I want to touch a little bit more about obviously the mental health side of things in the industry yeah. um, it's massive in the kitchen well you know you've heard a lot of a lot of people in the last few years that have, have committed suicide you know the pressures the long hours obviously outside influences or not just working in hospitality but can you give us an experience, not, well, not a personal experience, but can you tell us about if you struggled through, through your career with mental health and if you did, how did you deal with it? Did you, did you speak to people and, and what advice you'd give to someone that is going through it? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, you know, it was probably drinking that, that's my biggest downfall. Wow. And not, not that I go and get pissed every night or anything like that, but it's just that constant relying on, oh, getting home, I've worked hard, go for the fridge, grab beer, and then I might have a wine. But, you know, like, lately, I've sort of realised that that's, you can't do that all the time, do you know what yeah. I mean? But definitely, um, you've got to exercise as well. And I don't, I don't hit the gym or anything like that, but I make sure I'm out on my bike or, you know, I'm down the bush with my kids, you know, walking or so a matter do a lot of swimming. That definitely helps you my mental health. And, and... I think in the kitchen you fall into the trap of, oh, I've been on my feet all day, how am I going to go and, you know, that, that's my exercise, you know, I've been yeah. moving around all day, that's me. But it's not, you know, you need to get the heart pumping, you need to get a, the wind in your face, you know. It's outdoors, you know, right? Outdoors, you know, you've got you to have that separation. Yeah, so you think that's probably the biggest advice you give for someone that's in the industry, just make sure you're exercising, make sure you're staying healthy. Yeah, and, and having a hobby outside of work, I think, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, like I touched on, you know, I was down the bush or on my bike growing up across the road from mum and dad's and I've only recently just picked that up again, you know, yeah. and I wish I'd kept it going the whole time, you know, but I was sort of entrenched in my career and, and the hours and, and thinking that I was getting exercise through work when, you know, it's... Realities you weren't. You know what you know. Yeah. And, and, and how are you now? Like, obviously, we've spoken a lot about, you know, the anxieties of obviously opening business. We've spoken off air and, and we've talked about that. Do you think you're in a good place now where you're like, because of the balance with health and family that, and obviously great positive support from Noreen, you're in a pretty good place? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, awesome. You know, I caught myself the other day saying I love my life to myself. You know, it's the first time I've ever said that, you know. That's so amazing, bro. And, you know, it was me being outdoors and, you know, finished work and I've, I've got that separation. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, taking my kids down the bush or, you know, to the beach or, you know, whatever it is. Mate, I think that's, that gave me goosebumps when you said that because I think what's special is, you know, you did the hard work. You've worked five years to build, you know, well, since 16, but the last five years of High Street Depot. But 
to say that five years on from your business, you've got four beautiful kids, beautiful wife, to say, this, I love my life now, that's, yeah. it goes to show, <laughs> my, it's, it's amazing, yeah. but it goes to show that just work hard and, and things will get better and things will be better. Just, Don't yeah. be afraid of hard work, you know, it'll pay off. No, nah, man, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us, man. Um, what's, what's, I know I keep saying a few questions, but good, this man. is gold. Um, three things you want people to say about your venue after they've visited. Three things, okay. Uh, oh, mate, you put me on the spot, but... <laughs> uh, it's more just, uh, I suppose, mate, that was just a solid meal. Like, I'm... You can edit all this. So, yeah, <laughs> bit of a gap. Bit of a gap. That's all right. Um, but I get a lot of people that say, man, uh, you know, I didn't realise these places were out in the West. And of course they are, you know. Like, you just got to find them. You just got to find them. Yeah, 100%. And so, so what's next for you, Tim? Obviously, you know, you've done some pop-up dinners, um, which are amazing. That, is it the scampi roll? What was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm dreaming That got a good it. run. I'm, dream, I'm dreaming <laughs> about that. Didn't make me that much money, though. <laughs> not cheap well, to produce. But like you said, it's not all about the money, right? No, that's true. Um, what, like, what's next for you? Are you motivated to open more venues? You know, do you want to open multiple venues or you want to buy and sell? Like, what, what's next for, for Tim and Noreen? Uh, we're always on the lookout. But, we, uh, you know, we just got to be careful we don't get um, over-involved you know we've got a family at the end of the day and yeah. you know we don't want to be those parents who never see our kids you know what I mean so it's got to, there's got to be a balance but we never say never and we're always looking you know maybe it's some, going to be somewhere up closer to home in the mountains or you never know you we, never should, we know. should do something together man we've um, I don't think we've ever spoken about that yeah I mean, <laughs> Tim, Tim, we, me and Tim are eventually going to... I've been begging him to open a business with me from day one. So I think we'll do it one day, Tim. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, don't forget, I lost a regular customer when you opened this place. Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm still there probably two or three times a week. <laughs> it's, um, and that's the thing. I think what's beautiful is that support we have. So I think, you, you know, you, there'll be times where you run out of things, I run out of things, we lean on each other. Definitely. Um, and that's, that's been... I don't know if it was like that in the industry when you were starting. I've only really been in hospitality the last few yeah. years. Obviously, milk bars, takeaway shops. But what I love is, is we're not competitors. We're partners. Like, really, yeah. reality is we, the more yeah. people that come to Penrith, the better. Like, I'm yeah. constantly, like, sharing things you guys are doing because I'm proud that it's in Penrith, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, and I think other than, other than Henry Mark, I think you guys created the standard that you can bring quality to Penrith and people will come. Because we, yeah, like you... I think they've been crying out for it for years, you know? Like, absolutely. Like a lot of people would travel down to the city... Uh, to get a good meal, you yeah. know, and now they can get it here. So, you know, they're like, thank God something's here, you know. And it's the same for me and Noreen now that we live here. You know, so thank true. God we can, you know, go go to Percy's or go to Henry Mark or, you know, down the river or yeah. wherever it may be. Do you do you think it's the market's starting to get too oversaturated there? Possibly, but I think there's enough people here. There's enough, you know, units and things going up where the population will... Help, help to spread it around. You know, maybe there is, but um, you know, you just got to back yourself and and keep doing what you're doing. That's true. And competition is always gonna, you know. Competition is good. Keep it us is, on our toes. You know, um, you know, when you guys opened, you know, and I thought to myself, oh no, here we go. <laughs> we're gonna be, we're gonna. Be but I think I went down. to your, <laughs> I went to your cafe the first week I opened. I was, yeah. I'll, I'll always be a lifetime customer there. But now, nah, what you guys have created, like. Yeah, but uh, more on that point, like, I, I think I've grown, um, you know, having that mental strength to believe that, you know, even if other places open up, uh, me and Noreen can just stick to what we've been doing, mate. Like, even if, not saying we do the same dishes over and over, but, like, just provide that, those key, you know, service, good food, good coffee, um, and we've got the confidence that that'll keep us going, yeah. That's it. You keep providing good food, good coffee, then yeah. you know you're halfway there. So, um, what's the impact um, COVID's had on you and you and the business? And what do you think the future looks like with COVID? Well, personally, like I said to you before, like I've had this realization that you know I'm enjoying my life, and I don't think if COVID had, hadn't come around, I don't think I would have that mentality. Wow. So it sort of made me realize that the grass isn't greener. You know, like, enjoy what you got. Um, but definitely, you know, deep down, it, it was hard in the beginning when it all when it all happened. You know, worrying about, are we going to be 
are we going to have a business coming out of this? And, and yeah. you know, those, those thoughts. But um, moving... Sorry, I lost track. That's right. So obviously with COVID, like what impact do you think it's going to have? Yeah, I think, oh, mate, it's a tough one because, you know, no one's got a crystal ball or anything, but I think everyone's just got to keep keep tracking ahead and stay positive and hopefully we'll just get through this, you know what I mean? But it all depends on what happens, you know. If we shut down again if or... If we shut down again or if we're open again, you know, just got to roll with the punches, you know. Yeah. And, um, the good ones will get through. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I agree. Um we're just about to wrap up, but we've got one more question before that last question. Is there anything we've missed that you think we should add to this podcast that people can get value out of? Um, is there anything that you think I should have asked you? No, nah, you're pretty good, Phil. I've nailed it. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> you reckon I've nailed it? Well, um, nailed I, it. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. And I really appreciate your time. But I think, you know, the last question I ask everyone, this is a podcast from How I Built This, and he, and he asks every guest, how much of your success do you put to luck and how much do you put to hard work? They're pretty equal, like um, heaps of hard work, definitely heaps of hard work. But even, you know, I look at our own situation, like we were lucky to open High Street Depot when we did. Like imagine we opened and COVID came around on the opening, you know, would we have survived? And, you know, so I think that's a luck in, in the time frame. Um, definitely luck with, you know, some of our regular customers which just stumbled across us, not, you know, happened to be there at that point. Someone took them there for a meeting or whatever and then they've, they've realised how good this place is or, you yeah. know, and then, um, you know, there's heaps of different luck stories but it's definitely uh, hard work. So a good balance of both. You got yeah, There is a balance of both, yeah. I think. Tim, mate, thank you so much for your time today, brother. I really appreciate it. We finally got you on the podcast. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I've been a keen listener, so, you know. And um, we'll, uh, we'll have – and I appreciate you listening. Thank you. And, and obviously, Noreen's – we're going to target Noreen next. Yeah, go, go get her. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you about a bad grandma and, and hates mornings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your time, Tim. Thanks so All much. All right, mate. Thank you. Cheers.